0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: From the southernmost point of door into the lands of always winter and what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east. This is Casterly Talk, I'm Ken Napsock, and we are about to take a deeper dive, a longer look at episode 10 of season one of House of the Dragon, The Black Queen. Oh, we have got a lot to talk about, directed by Greg Yatani's writer, Ryan J. Condal, one of the showrunners, of course. Credited writer on this one. Quick summary before we begin. Dawn has broken on Dragonstone, and with it comes the news from Rhaenys herself. King Viserys I is dead, and Rhaenyra's succession has not just been challenged, it has been usurped. King Aegon II sits on the Iron Throne in King's Landing, and Rhaenyra Targaryen must decide what to do next, even as she experiences a traumatic and excruciating stillbirth. Honor, justice, and ambition sit at the center of this episode as many on Dragonstone want to follow Daemon's rage into war. But Renera has long carried the knowledge that the true weight of the crown is the burden to keep the realm together lest you rule over its ashes. All eyes are on Renera, the queen of the seven kingdoms and protector of the realm. While we've all been waiting for those dragons to dance, the music has begun to play. To break it down with me is Alden Diaz and Andres Cabrera. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Ace, you're in the place. How you doing, man? Woo!
0: This <laughs> finale was wild. Wild. I am
1: I am doing. You doing. You doing. I like that. Alden, you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing. I am doing. I don't own a black and red. Targaryen uh, piece of clothing. So I had to run and get the Batman. He'll do. He's sad. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, intense. Brutal. Um, Greg Gatainis. Greg Gatainis. Yeah. He's uh, he's a star.
1: Yeah. He's got that big bushy beard. And he's a great director. Returning direct this one here. A lot to talk about. This is the finale. We'll talk about waiting for next season. Uh, we got Andres for about an hour here. So I want to dive into the overall thoughts And we'll begin with you, Andres, Uh, thoughts, what you loved, uh, feelings, questions, uh, things maybe you didn't love. All of it's on the table here as we look at the overall reaction to this episode, sir.
0: I think what I love the most about this episode is the fact that we got to spend more time with Emma Darcy as Rhaenyra. Mm -hmm. And I feel like after spending so much time with the Greens last episode and seeing how kind of putrid they are, we spend more time with someone who's a little bit more sensible, yeah. uh, someone who has the the ability to stand up for themselves and, and fight back, but not push too hard, not burn down an entire kingdom and have a balance. And there's a reason to want to support her. It's mm-hmm. not just this, oh, she's the main character. She's a queen. Let's support her. It's she's good as a queen. She's built different. She does have the ability to balance difficult decisions while yeah. also not having just no mercy at all. So I feel like that's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. And the council of just deliberating and deliberating on what to do. Yeah. I absolutely love all that council stuff.
1: Oh man, that's a great way to start. I love your take on Renera there. Yeah. The blacks and the greens. Uh, it's a social media hashtag war, which side do you uh, stand with? And I-, I keep thinking the show's trying to play it as fair and balanced as it as it can but i don't know after every after every episode i'm kind of like maybe they just don't want me to like the greens and by the way that's pretty easy for me to do not like the greens they want to make westeros great again and here you have ranere on the other side and a scene up top with her with her son uh i'm not perfect i'm not perfect and i think that's an honest take on it there so i'll uh, uh, tag you in there on uh andres's overall thoughts there
2: yeah, the the fallibility of the characters, right, is, has come to the forefront. The fallibility of the choices, the the of of the unreliable nature of fire and blood being played with, being imbued. There's a take here, super controversial. It really shouldn't be, in my opinion, and we'll talk about it. Um, and and the way that it has brought forth the, I'm not perfect, which is really sort of saying we, my side is not perfect. No one is. This is the this is the gray fantasy world. We have the good and evil fantasy world. Their season just ended. Now this season is over. And we have gotten the full picture now of the brutality of what awaits. First blood has been drawn. The war has officially started. From Damon's point of view, it already started. From Rhaenyra's, it could still be avoided. From Rainisa's, it can't be avoided, but there is still restraint to be had. And so everybody's perspective came to the forefront. This was basically the, here's my take episode and mm-hmm. even corliss getting his take in and yeah and to see it from the youth and from the older generation and the people in the middle, like Renira, was uh, extremely powerful.
1: Yeah, a lot of fun themes to dive into uh, in a pretty intense episode, which has been kind of the calling card for the House of the Dragon, Dragon, Dragon show this season. And yes, that you would say is the calling card of the brand itself. But even today, I saw an interview with Ryan Condal saying, "Yeah, in season two, we're going to find ways to maybe organically work in a little bit more humor." There was definitely some funny moments. I think Rainie's had some great looks this episode. Uh, There's some st- that that yeah. look at Damon uh, was hilarious. Uh, But this has been a pretty intense, in-your-face kind of show. But it did, it. I thought, personally, in a different way. They've been pretty open and honest that. And all the scenes, including uh, this week's episode, the traumatic um, uh, stillbirth scene, I know that doesn't hit with everyone. I know not everyone needs to see it. Not everyone wants to see it. But I, I... do applaud the show for knowing its audience and what its audience skews as and saying, we need you to sit down and see this reality. We need you to see this character, uh, what, yeah. uh, what they're going through. I, I've loved that. And I thought it all kind of came to head well in this episode.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that I knew we were going to talk about. It's something that I want to be extremely sensitive to in terms of our yeah. viewers, the different viewers of house of the dragon. It is, its without a doubt, one of the most uncomfortable and disturbing things, I think, across all nine seasons of HBO's Westeros so far. Uh, there's nothing in Game of Thrones that is as directly depicted in this way. There were horrific births going all the way back to season one of Game of Thrones and uh, Daenerys and, and Rego, and we know we were told what went down there. We did not have to see it. Here you see it. They don't shy away from it. It's not even obscured shots. They're very direct shots. And um, I think we'll be in a debate forever about whether or not you needed it. But I, and, and I, even, I don't have a set answer to that, but it was effective for me. And I think that it being right here as the opening, it's a, um, it's a, it's a clever way to add a reality to it in the text. It's the, you know, it's the, de- de- the deformity and the, the, almost the dragon-esque qualities of this baby doing the cuts to Cyrax. It's like, is that really happening? Is it in her head? Is it just for the themes and the viewers? But I like that it doesn't matter. Yeah. It was a, it felt like that baby's passing or, or or stillbirth was the end of an era almost.
1: You talk about it the, inside the episode, and, and Andres, I want to get your thoughts in here. I always value your insights, particularly on tough issues and tough conversations. Uh, but for me, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. If that was something you didn't need to see and that was something you didn't want to see for whatever reason, some very real. Uh, because that's obviously a very real situation. I, I, I think that your reaction to that is not just uh, your point of view. I think it's right. Uh, I I, mm-hmm. I do contend on the other side. I, I, I've spoken honestly, but I, I think – especially where I came from my old job, which is a very male-dominated, alpha male-dominated uh, environment. This was their show. This was their brand. And they are people who are, um, uh, you know, uh, not sensitive to violence, not sensitive sorts of things. And I think this show from episode one to now has put forth, uh, uh, has tried to, and it's not always going to be perfect. Not always going to be perfect. Has tried to put forth a perspective and I really think, that's kind of the audience that needs to hear some of the stuff and they need to get the attention and the the harsh reality of it will get the attention. Whether the, le- no, the lessons stick with that kind of audience or crop, I don't know. I don't know. But the show tried to take it. Andres, uh, we're going big. We're going a big swing <laughs> overall stuff with this big scene up top. Uh, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like this entire show has done a lot. Like there's been a lot and it kind of echoes episode one. And by a lot, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you don't need to see. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like you could say that about a lot of scenes in this uh, entire show. Uh, I feel like this was definitely to echo episode one and it's supposed to echo episode one, but but I feel like when it comes to unnecessary trauma, there is always going to be this endless debate and it's difficult with a show the same line as Game of Thrones, where we saw the Red Wedding, uh, w- which to me is up there. I still think that's dramatic. I still can't re-watch that. And mm-hmm. I still can't rewatch uh episode eight, but that's mm-hmm. you know, that's because my uncle, mm-hmm. uh <laughs> mm-hmm. Oberyn Martell. Martel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I but I I genuinely do feel like that's traumatic as well. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's uh I thought mm-hmm. that was unnecessary, and mm-hmm. I and I remember watching that and feeling like okay why does a Mexican have to die screaming? Uh, I really, I literally mm-hmm. said that. Uh, yeah. But I feel like there is this kind of thing of like, we don't want to see it. We don't need to see it. But at the same time, it's the themes of trauma with triumph kind of mixing in at the exact same moment that mm-hmm. fits so well with Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is the whole purpose of the worst moment of your entire life is also the moment where someone is putting a crown on your head 15 minutes later. Like that's gotta be mm-hmm. absolutely insane for mm-hmm. someone to deal with on a psychological level.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's played for that too. And the, the echoes, you're talking about the echoes uh, now just dealing with what's in the show. You know, there's always going to be conversation every week. We're going to have these conversations. And I think most of those conversations are very neat. Sometimes I admit they do get exhausting, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't listen and listen to the right people and the right voices during those conversations. Uh, but I will say in terms of the story, yeah, absolutely, this echo. I thought that was one of the big overall reactions. I think it was a, it was a heart-wrenching and beautiful echo of Viserys in episode one, we got Paddy Considine tweeting out and, and Instagramming his thoughts. When 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 Emma died, he died, and that was kind of the story. And now you got almost kind of the reverse of that in some ways. Renera is faced with this grief; she'll face more grief in this episode. And uh, I love the, uh, their take on it in, in the post uh, in, in inside the episode wrap up of uh, even mm-hmm. Emma Darcy ex- explaining that you know Renera. Um, is is experiencing something that she always said she didn't want to, but now she's uh, got five five births uh, before, right? Five kids, and then this 6 one. Yeah. And and this, what she kind of felt she was uh, maybe built for, what she wanted uh, to fight for this throne, to fight for the, the the this the the realm too. She is 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 stuck with something she always didn't want to be, but she is it. And a lot of ways, the echo of Viserys moving forward. I thought uh, I thought it was uh, well done, though very very traumatic. And Again. We acknowledge that for those who maybe uh, were affected by that. There, Alden.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's sort of you know your mileage may vary. There, there's there's a bunch of different points within a sequence like this. Much like in the pilot childbirth sequence, where it's like, okay, I could have done all of that, but not that, or I could have maybe if you'd obscured it a little more. And there's there's a whole spectrum of reactions there. Um, And we're all going to have our own uh, uh, taste and opinion about that. But thematically, yeah, I mean, this episode was a beautiful follow-up to the pilot in so many ways. And we'll explore that here with the births. We'll explore that with the dragons. We'll explore that with the themes and with the song of ice and fire and who knew and who didn't in the reactions and everything. This, this first season came together for me as a beautiful story within the story Mm. where, you know, if, if for some reason tomorrow there was no TV ever again, like this would this would stand as uh, the emergence yeah. of Queen Rhaenyra Targaryen and, and we would all wonder forever what was going to happen. Did the dragons <laughs> actually dance? Who knows? But it, it feels extremely complete. And, and to your point, Ace, about the tragedy and the triumph,
1: mm-hmm.
2: how many of our heroes in all of fiction, but even just in this world, have we seen that are maybe not born and, you know, in totality from these moments, Rhaenyra had a journey that, you know, gave her the strength and the skill and the, the wherewithal, but look at like Robb Stark. He was king in the North, but but it was really when he got the news about his father that things, that's when he was solidified. It wasn't the chanting. It was that moment of tragedy. It, it, Daenerys had already done and would do these incredible things, but it was the loss of Drogo that pushed her into being this sort of singular force. And and you can track that across. I mean, John, you can make an argument that, that John was, was in a way solidified and born of the loss of Egret. And uh, there's a lot of deaths in these. We could do a whole list, but it's, yeah, it was just fascinating to see them play that. And I, I think that the crowning of Rhaenyra scene is one of my favorite scenes in any show that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. There's in terms of just game of Thrones, the show, the brand, uh, you know, t- talk, about what's on screen. Uh, uh, this 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 episode has some of my favorite sequences. You're talking about that one. I, I thought the Storm's End sequence from arriving to Storm's End to the horrible ending, which uh, Ace and I were talking right before yeah. we went to the air. And I, Alden, I don't think you're any different. As as dog owners and dog lovers, I I, I agree with you, Andres. Dragons are dogs to be. <laughs> that one was tough to take. Tough to take. But it was one of my favorite sequences, top to bottom, in Game of Thrones. Uh, great ending. That final shot. We're going to talk about that so much there. Ace, though, I want to pitch to you some of your big moments, reveals. Where do you want to go with the conversation right now?
0: Let's go right to Storm's End uh, with Vagar creeping in the background. I, I, I feel like fire and blood readers were excited for this moment, not because of the carnage. They were excited for it because of the cinematic nature of it. Mm. The idea of two dragons in the sky with lightning and thunder and fire fuming all around, like the mm-hmm. idea of a person on the ground looking up and seeing that Mm -hmm. and seeing this enormous dragon fighting the smaller dragon in this epic rainy battle. It's just, you have to put that on film. You have to see that on screen. So the fact that we built up to it so perfectly with Lucerys arriving and Vagar in the background looking like a T-Rex from Jurassic <laughs> Park in the rain. yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was like, yo, this is already crazy. Yeah. And Eamon already there. It, mm. it, it, it fit the scene perfectly. And obviously him trying to escape uh, on Arax was also another incredible moment. But the entire scene was done really well. And to show you the bond between the dragon but but also how awful it is to be in a battle with dragons because eventually something is going to happen. And I feel like that is kind of the whole purpose of this scene. Mm. I do have a gripe with it, uh, it, it and that's Eamon's reaction mm. because at least everything I know is that Eamon is just the savage, but it, but it, it is there to kind of paint you that picture of even Eamon is like, oh, <laughs> crap. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I do really love the uh, cinematic nature of this entire scene.
1: Yeah, it was put together so nice. All that here, yeah, like Andre says, uh, bring it in uh, evoking images of uh, Jurassic Park is not wrong for me, and just a reminder of Vagar's size versus Arax. Look, I own ch- two Chihuahuas. All right. I would not. I, I would not want to ride my Chihuahua in the battle against the Great Dane. We just wouldn't do that. Plus, it would be a pretty hilarious TikTok video. But that's a different tone. Uh, I uh, yeah. I was moved by it. I was scared by it. And having I am I am a couple years removed now from reading Fire and Blood with any level of like detail. So this sequence I actually could not remember. I didn't think it ended well for anyone. But I was like, oh, so I was pulled in. It just the cinematic nature, like Andres said, uh love the stuff. We're starting here big at the end, Alden, but this is some wonderful things. Wonderful stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah. Jurassic Park and Jaws or a slasher film. Like it sort of had it all. It had gorgeous shots of the initial reveal to the viewer that Vagar is on their trail with just the wingspan and everything behind Ooh, and great shot. and the way that it that it yeah it was gorgeous and the, and then the ending stuff being in in broad daylight i think added a huge quality of of a cinematic punch because unless you know that's the that's the cinematic visual language of things are fine yeah it is out of the storm but you're not and uh i you know ace you touched on it that is apparently the sticking point and again i don't ever want to be like let me just spend an hour refuting twitter drama because that could they could be like eight hours but the apparently that is a huge sticking point we didn't you know we're not doing leaks here we don't do leaks here this was out there for a few days people had time to talk about it people don't have respect for the process etc etc um and that was a a huge thing was in the book it is cold-blooded straight-up murder here it is the dragons are out of control. Both of them, mind you, both are out of control.
1: Mm-hmm. Serve uh, me. A- a- serve a- Arax, right? Arax, serve yep. me. Serve a- me. A- yep.
2: Yep. Arax throws the, the the fire blast, and then all of a sudden, Vagar is like, I'm not having that, because Vagar is the largest and oldest living killer, the baddest of the bad, brought the realm to the knees. But I love, I love this so much more than cold-blooded murder. That might work for the text, but for the story that this is telling for the for the picture of the show. King Viserys's words are all over this. It's a power we shouldn't have trifled with, to think we control them is wrong. The whole folly of House Targaryen and the fact that they inherit their parents' generational trauma, but even the generational trauma of the family. Here he has this tool of one of the of, of the conqueror, well the conqueror's sister-wife, but still this idea that this was supposed to be the thing and it was supposed to legitimize you, but you don't have mastery over it. And that's a theme that we even saw with Drogon's Teenage Rebellion in Game of Thrones, that period where Drogon was a wild animal and couldn't be tamed. And mm-hmm. the way that that all plays here, it's it, it made Amond, I think, not suddenly like, oh, we, we should feel so bad, and later things that we won't talk about in terms of war and retaliation, like suddenly people are worried about whether or not that stuff is valid, and we're not going to get into the future here. But it it's about commitment. You think he's going to land and go around pleading for a reprieve because it was an accident? Like I think this makes him more his mother's son. You 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 messed with something and you ended up trapped in a situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the horror on his face shows like the youth, as they did at dinner, have now unleashed something that they didn't fully understand, and now we're in the sky. It's not just a fist fight by the, the pig. Like, now it's it's bigger, and it continues, and it explodes. And so I, I understand if people maybe wanted him to be a, a straight-up villain, but I don't think that's these characters.
1: I'll, I'll just get you in on that. First of all, uh, this is a testament to me successfully muting so many words. I wasn't spoiled at all this week. <laughs> I watched the show. Bless you. I, I have muted so many words related to Star Wars, Game of Thrones, the House of the Dragon in my life, uh, that nothing, uh, very very little finds its way to be. Um, and also I just try to stay off it. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I really like what, what you're saying there, but I, I want to, Andres, you, you you mentioned having a gripe. So floor is your here, yours here on, on how it was executed, what you liked about it, maybe what you could like about it, what you just maybe flat didn't like about it. Yeah,
0: it really was just that one scene. It's just seeing him as a reaction because I I feel like when it comes to certain characters, I I feel like there is this hesitancy to go full dark Mm. on certain characters. And I I can see it in the writers when it comes to, for example, Alison is is a, perfect example of stuff added in the show to make her seem much more endearing, much more likable, much more Mm -hmm. reasonable than she is in the books where she is a little bit more on the auto side. And I feel like this is a one to one clear cut villain. This is someone who spews some stuff that they actually cut from the show that is pretty jarring. Like, the stuff he says puts Damon to shame. Like, mm-hmm. it's absolutely vile and disgusting the mm-hmm. way he speaks about Vraenyra. And I feel like they also cut that to kind of make you feel like a little bit more inside that gray aspect of who Eamon actually is, where he's much more of a misunderstood uh, kind of emo child versus an actual cold-blooded killer mm-hmm. like a Ramsey or even like a Joffrey who actually likes killing. Um, so to me, it's like we haven't to to me there's no way you go up in the sky to take someone's eye with with like godzilla (laughs) like to me like if if you're going to do that you're going to do that to kill or you're going to fly away eventually but you're not there to just play games you're there to straight up merc somebody and i know the at the end of the show they said that it was just to scare like a bullying
2: run yeah Yeah. like
0: they were like he he was there to scare him and, and i was like did he because i feel like if you're going up on Vagar and if you're swinging after him and you're taking the actual swings they're dragon swings but they're swings i don't know if that's i don't know how else you can take that except for trying to kill you so that's just it's obviously yeah but i I think that's why eric's
2: i think that's why eric's does what he she is eric's a boy i can't remember um i think that's why it does what it does is is because it interprets it that way but I just feel like, like what you're saying is right. They are injecting that to make him and Allison and and a lot, basically any green that isn't Otto or Laris or Kristen Cole to a certain degree, um, it has been made a lot more redeemable. And that was, there was a lot of controversy with the green council too of like, Oh, Allison didn't know about the plan, but I feel like the humanity there is part of the point that way when we get the Larises, they do stand out more and start contrast because to me, while that reaction isn't emblematic of the cold-blooded killer that he was in the book, it is—it is the kid that got bullied by the pink dread. That's that kid. That's the—that's the kid. That's like a, you know, when if they look for me, I intend to be found. Like he—he he played with something he didn't understand, and it—and it killed his cousin or his nephew. Um, and I, I just think that that's like more. It's not a bug; it's a feature. I think
1: yeah no i i i and, and to be fair andres has said sometimes it's a sm- small gripe with a a yeah yeah no 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 i i think it's it's i'm uh, I'm almost shocked to see it be debated. well actually I'm not shocked that anything's debated on the internet, not at all <laughs> uh not at all that's that's what we do around these parts right no no i i think i uh I really understand what uh, i like what you're saying, andres about. Even with Allison, uh, there's uh, things happen around her, and she's either playing catch up or kind of uh, moving into the role or being manipulated in the role, and it's about it's mm-hmm. about her maybe trying to is she going to make the decision to, to get what she wants? And that might put her in a position of, of being the heel, so to speak. Yeah. And Eamon here, I mean, um, I think they do such a good job setting them up for me in the beginning that I, 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 I like connecting it to the, the theme of King Viserys, the first there of, we should have traveled this because even in this episode, when Damon's singing a song and, you know, bringing out the drag, even I'm like, I wouldn't want this as a pet or a friend. It just seems like one move, you're done. What a danger! <laughs> but that's also, uh, you know, you can look at it as that's that's power. That's the 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 lust for control, the lust for uh, more, and uh, also the dance of trying to find your own identity. A lot of your identity seems to be tied to these dragons for these folks, Amon included, and that's mm-hmm. sometimes the the razor's edge when you get on up there. Um, and I thought it was interesting. And, and Andres, I want to go, you know, to back to you on this. No matter what, this is how it's played. No matter what we feel, either way. And this war, this dance, starting on two dragons going, "F this! We're scrubbing, uh, we're scrapping in the schoolyard here." Uh, versus the two writers who are, are, are trying to, you know, you know, serve me, serve me. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you do you like that take, or do you take anything from that thematically going forward? I, I
0: feel like. There, there's just certain moments when it comes to I'm a big dragon nerd and I feel like the dragon rider dragon connection mm-hmm. is supposed to be so tight, like tight, yeah. tight, tight that I do feel like there are some moments that I did feel was a little bit more of a question mark for me. There's the Lena moment as well that I've brought up mm-hmm. uh, before, but I feel like that bond is just so tight and it it made sense to me in the sense that, okay, this isn't. Aemon's dragon. This is Laena's dragon. Right, and right. before that, you know you know what I'm saying? It was Balon, yeah, I believe. Yeah. There's always another dragon rider, so I feel like that makes more sense than Arax, but Arax is younger, so maybe that makes sense as well. There's a way to justify it, and I feel yeah. like that's a perfect justification. It's just, to me, it's more about Aemon. And I feel like yeah, yeah. where the show really tries to be like, hey, good and bad, good and bad on both sides. And I'm just like, sometimes there's just that. Sometimes yeah. there's just psychos and villains and cold-blooded jokers who want to watch the world burn yeah and i feel like amen is one of those guys even if you glance at fire and blood a little bit and and i felt like this was a good moment to build up his villain arc and instead they were like let's make him uh kiddo kid in over his head and i was like oh
1: where, where do you think they okay. could take that? Yeah, where do you think they could take that going forward with Eamon? Do you think he, then he comes back? Does this convince him? Does he take responsibility? We're looking a couple years now ahead to season two. Where would you like uh-huh. to take it? Uh, as, as This is his action. He turns around. He knows he started the war. He knows he's trifled with something that he maybe couldn't control, wasn't ready for, but he's got to go back. Uh, it, does old Eamon Blue Eye uh, take responsibility? And, 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 and was he kind of born today, if, if that makes any sense?
0: I think that's what they're going for is the idea of Eamon is going to take claim for it and kind of pretend that this was his plan all along Mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, I killed him. I killed Luceris because I don't give a crap. And I got Vagar. Come Mm -hmm. at me, bro. Like that's kind of who they're building Eamon to Mm -hmm. be now. And they made it from a much more like accidental death versus a purposeful one, which Mm -hmm. I felt like was I don't know if it worked well for me personally. Yeah, no, no
1: I, I, I uh, no, get, get that. Yeah. Um, and this is the big end, regardless of, of how and the what's and the whys, this leads to, uh, uh, the reaction from a narrative. I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't think of a better way to end season one for me of that. Uh, the grief is hit the reality. And now she turns and it does seem as though war is afoot and she's making that choice, uh, we're jumping to the end. There's a lot to backfill here, but uh, Alden, did you have a reaction to that, uh, that end sequence which, uh, filmed so well? I thought.
2: Yeah, it's, it's amazing direction to not do the dialogue. Um, I think emphasizes the point that there's nothing that can be said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In game of Thrones, we've had a lot of people witnessing death or, or telling, giving the news of death. It opens with rainies doing that. and We'll talk about, um, but to do this one silently, let Emma Darcy, let their acting skills come to the forefront. Um, so many incredible performances throughout, and if the last one was Olivia Cook's, this was their moment. And the way that they were able to sell the pain, the way that they tee it up. Um, if you if you don't know, then the Luceris moments are just beautiful and pure. If you do know that there's the air of tragedy that now everyone will get on rewatch. Um, that's been building up about sort of the, the character of Renera's humanity was sort of found in those moments with her kids. And for this to be the first blood is is sort of, I think has now confirmed a lot of Damon's paranoia and Damon's fear about the fact that war has already started and the resolve and the rage that is seen there. I think uh, echoes a lot of incredible moments, namely Daenerys standing with her newborn hatchlings at the end of game of Thrones season one. It was the, you know the the you, you know kill the boy Jon Snows is kill the girl Rhaenyra like it's it's done like it it's it is war now and I thought that that was so effective and the way that Rhaenyra talks about what she knows of war like my father's told me the stories about when dragons are brought into war everything burns everything burns yeah and what does that speak to the, the the sloppiness of them the lack of precision the sort of the wanton violence and they're not thinking about the small folk or or just like the rage and in that moment it was like all of those things like it's been a day I had one stillbirth child and then I lost another one and and and, and the decisions of war are being made right there at that table like we're already in it Dragonfire is already won yeah
1: yeah good stuff there uh and uh we start diving in here with some of the going back uh to the stuff here but Andreas, I don't get your thoughts there on that ending uh what were you what were you feeling were you still uh, uh were you in that moment there it was an incredible shot.
0: I love shots that just let actors cook. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, love it. It's mm-hmm. some of my favorite stuff in movies. Mm. Uh, one that comes to mind right off the top of my head is Midsommar with Florence Pugh, mm-hmm. which just just stay on her face and let her cook, let her act. And Emma Darsa, Emma Darcy, acting from the back and just showing her back, and knowing that the entire the entire council is there still talking and discussing so she doesn't want to go mm-hmm. hysterical. She doesn't want to seem hysterical. She wants to seem like she has a good head on her shoulders, but she's feeling so much pain. We see that from her back, which is insane. And obviously her turnaround to the camera, mm-hmm. perfect way to end the episode and end the season for me.
1: Yeah. We're heading, uh, heading on to season two. Eventually. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. The show starts with a, a view of a non-lit painted table, by the way, the lighting of the painted table later on. One of my favorite things as well. I want to get a table like that. I'm sure a lot of people do. Uh, this is the story of the Greens and the Blacks, but this is also about the realm. And this episode does start with some sweet moments with Luceris and Renera that now have uh, a special pang in all of our hearts now uh, on Rewatch. But this this slow move over the realm, over what we're about to uh, fight for, I, I really uh, took a lot of uh, that from this episode about Renera, about what her duty is, the true call of leadership, this true burden... Uh, and the fact that she realizes in this episode in an intense scene in which Damon is quite frankly an abuser. Uh, the the the, uh, the 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 debate about who rooting for Damon, which also was part of last week's discourse, uh, is interesting now after this week even too. But we'll talk about that in a second. But um, her learning that oh you didn't know because v- Viserys didn't tell you about the uh, the dream, the Conqueror's dream, because he didn't trust you. I got the information. I know how to do this, and I understand the burden. Uh, yes, it all goes away, but even uh, you could argue it to me. I would say that the choice to go to war uh, from her maybe, hopefully, still factors in the realm, but we'll see. Mm. Anyways, it was a big conversation because, again, uh, Damon's kind of has what what the uh, Twitter audience had all during the week to with Rainey's. Why didn't you burn them all right then and there? Uh, and maybe that would have solved the problems, but she's already – Rainey's has already hurt uh, many killed many in the realm. I think the realm's gonna have a reaction to that. Uh so Alden, I'll start with you here. Uh, this theme of of how to protect, who's what's who's actually protecting the realm? And isn't that the role of leadership?
2: Yeah, I <laughs> both Damon and Ray Neese in this episode. You you already touched on one of them, the Damon voicing uh, an online concern. Um <laughs> the, the show almost I, I I strongly advocate for weekly. I would never choose a binge. Yeah, yeah. But so help me when you get an episode like this that so directly raises the questions, it makes you want to go around whatever realm you live in and just demand that everyone just watch a show because maybe <laughs> the show is going to address yeah. uh, what you are speaking to. Maybe the characters also have opinions. <laughs> on the things that they are a part Look, of i, I learned and- <laughs> i learned this
1: lesson in the modern era of movie and tv discussion and viewing i learned this when the uh saint staros showed up in the star wars marvel line and said she's saying to solo uh han solo's uh, uh, wife and we all for a month screamed about it and then it was like oh it was a ruse sometimes maybe just sit back and the show or property will answer the questions you have
2: <laughs> yeah or it's ask the- them for the- you too yeah, and that was a thirty-day wait. This was yes. a seven-day wait. Yes. Uh, it all, it's all it took for somebody to say. And R- and Rhaenys gives the answer that a lot of us, you know, intuited from her actions, which was it's it's not my place to start this. Yeah, and it was like and it was that point of view that gave Rhaenyse the the final sort of solidification of the of her view of Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm.
1: She mm-hmm. observes
2: Rhaenyra's resolve, observes her ability to to sit back and think, her consideration, uh, her temperament. All those things, things that people have remarked about Rainies, Mm -hmm. they've never been more similar than they are now. Uh, They've come a long way from the, uh, you know, dunking on the young girl uh, back in earlier in the season. Um, And to see that all come to the forefront here was great. And then in terms of the Damon of it all, I mean, look, I wrote a, a classic Alden Twitter thread about Damon because I thought that him helping his brother up on the throne was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. It was tender. It was sweet. It was amazing. Never in that did I say or did I have the illusion that this guy was suddenly not what he was. I mean, the, to ha- the brotherly story closed in a beautiful way. There was still an act of brutal murder in that scene. This is still the man who bludgeoned his first, first wife to death with a rock who murdered her in cold blood. And this is not me defending any choices that were jarring or, or potentially triggering, of course, in the same way as, as the childbirth could have or probably will be, unfortunately, for many viewers. Um, it was an act of spousal violence right there on screen. Um, it is a brutal world. And it's not me saying it's Game of Thrones, you should know. Not necessarily, but it it, it is entirely, I think, in character. Um, whether it was needed or not is up for debate, but the way that this episode explored his... Um, refusal to deal with things he won't even go to like with lena's birth he stood in the doorway with this one he's not even there because he refused to deal with the first one he refused to deal with the news of his brother's death he refused to deal with not just charging in he's a powder keg and matt smith has described it as a tightrope walk and i think this was them saying he can have a beautiful moment with viserys and still be his own kind of monster is he is he any better it's him and otto on that bridge and they're both terrible in their own ways. Damon just happens to be more endearing.
1: It's, tra- it's unfortunately tragically real world, not a justification of any of the actions, uh, real world or otherwise. But even a great man of uh, a symbol of peace, John Lennon, was uh, racked with uh, violence uh, and abuse all through his life. It is just yeah. kind of the nature of it there. And this is more of a study of it. Again, yeah, uh, could I have done without that particular moment? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I could have. But it was there. Uh, and it's all part of, uh, you know, uh, him, uh, the, his passions, uh, more than his passions, his angers. Uh, his vengeance is is revenge, uh, leading it all to war. Uh, but uh, I'll just uh, double it back a little bit here. I wanted to get you in on, uh, on the conversation too about, about the realm itself, uh, Rhaenys and her answer. What do you think about it? What do you think about all the stuff going on here?
0: It's interesting how Rhaenys doesn't declare for yeah. Rhaenyra as soon as she comes back. She kind of mm-hmm. waits to declare and eventually she waits for Rhaenyra to gain her respect uh, to be on that iron throne. And she is the one Who tells Corliss, let's join this fight when Corliss is like, yo, you're right. I've been overly ambitious. (laughs) I've overreached. And she's like, no, 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 no. She's worth supporting. She is that queen. She is the queen we've been waiting for. She will be a great ruler. We should absolutely join this fight. What's the point of all this loss we've already faced if we don't actually get something out of it was kind of what I mm. felt like Rainey's was saying in that moment. Yeah. And I love Corliss coming back into the council and I showing too. his knowledge and his power. But obviously Corliss and Rainey's are my favorite of the, of the entire show probably. Yeah. Uh, so I love those moments. But if, if I want to tack into uh, tackle uh, Damon a little bit too, yes, da- Damon still is Damon. Uh, he still is that person that we all have seen him to be throughout this entire uh, season and uh, there's this need to to be a part of it for Damon and, and it's always been there mm. and obviously we yeah. see that when he's Love over that. with uh, talking to Lena but he always feels like I'm left out and, mm. and that's why he snaps like mm. what are you talking about how do I not know about this and there's mm. this insecurity that's still there even though he literally has everything you could possibly want as a prince, but he still doesn't mm-hmm. have exactly what he wants. So I i felt that in that moment, but I still feel like we're going to see way more of it. And I and I love 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 that Matt Smith is the one who is leading the charge with with this character because I feel like that's it's su- it's in such good hands that I. I mm. I don't want to hear anything about aging and he's not aging. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. It's Matt Smith. He has a good, he
1: has a good skin. He has a skincare routine that we all should be jealous of. That's Damon. Uh, uh, maybe uh, Matt Smith as well. Yeah, no, uh, there's something you said there I really like there, um, Andres. So not only is this, is this him who he is, and, and Alden said that as well, but it is, uh, it's I, I view it, and this is my take that I will 100% say, own and say it's mine. I, I think it's a it's a character analysis of these type of men. You talk about this insecurity, insecurity that often explodes in violence uh him feeling left out and a lot of the reasons he's left out is because he can't be trusted viserys uh, knew that the, the media literacy test that <laughs> damon failed in episode one that renera passed that's why she knows the dra- dream i like the moment i actually really do like the moment uh, sometimes I, I wish we, you know, had those little acts of violence. That I don't necessarily we think we we need to see for those who misinterpret it. But I think if you're listening, and those again, the, some of the intended audience might be the demons of the world who love this show. They love the dude that wears the armor that pulls out the sword and does the mm-hmm. badass fight against an army by himself and rides the dragons. And uh, this entire season has been Damon literally not been able to complete. Uh, sexually at all at any time. He is, uh, he is impotent there. Uh, he is always left out. He is always prone to his, uh, violence and, and, and always getting himself in more trouble and always coming up short. And I think it all kind of came yeah. to head in this episode for me. And he's still a fascinating character. I think one of the reasons Matt Smith, who I've been very familiar with, but haven't really studied like a lot of other people do. I, I'm not, I'm not a doctor fan like you are Alden. uh, though. Congratulations on now there's 17 doctors in an episode or something happened. Cool. This weekend. I don't know. Close. Uh, very close, close. close. Um, no, I know, I know what happened. Um, I just, yeah, I, I really love what you're saying there, Andres. It's in good hands, the warts and all, bad decisions of Damon and all. It's in good hands with yeah. Matt Smith.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just want to build on that. You know, we we talk about that iconic moment. It's already an iconic moment across all of TV. He he was there. It was that that one of those. It'll be one of those. Like, did you know that Viggo Mortensen actually broke his toe when he kicked <laughs> that helmet? Like, did you know? Did you know that the did you know that the crown actually fell and they and they left it in and Matt and Patty stayed in the scene? Like, yeah, it'll be one of those things. If anything, that beautiful moment, which I described as one of the only times Damon was able to close a wound without opening another one, uh, unless you're Vaymond, um, Because even in Rhaenyra, like he's shown undying loyalty to his brother and his niece slash wife. Uh, gotta love Westeros. And that, <laughs> but that one required the murder that got Leonor off the hook and everything. Him closing the book with his brother was done purely out of love and if anything to a personality like this and i agree it is the unpacking of that personality type that would make this i didn't know sting harder hard because he had he thought days days prior just a couple of days he thought we went out on a good note and then it's the record scratch of he still didn't trust me Like,
1: yeah, it's it's the realization that maybe you were never trusted, right? Maybe at times you were, at times you weren't. But yeah, the fact that like you were never in line for this. The good
2: note that they went out on of me placing it on you finally is now sullied a little bit for him. And you can see, Ken, to your point of unpacking this type of guy, how they will throw out things that they don't even really believe um, to deflect what like before he gets to the point of Walking away in a huff, he starts to attack Viserys' interests originally. Like, it's the, you know, his dreams and his portents and, like, whatever. And it's like, buddy, it, it, stop attacking dreams and portents. You're a student of this, too. Like, you both were old Valyria guys. Like, don't lie. Don't act like you wouldn't also take it seriously if you'd known. Uh, and and it, it's the kind of thing that he knows that his brother was a guy of integrity, and that makes it worse. Yeah. He knows immediately when she says song of ice and fire, that something yeah. real is being talked about. Yeah. And I think he's afraid of having any type of conversation. Um, unless that conversation is him calling for auto tie towers head, which is another scene. Which that we see, talk
1: about. <laughs> I absolutely want to talk about, especially uh, Andres uh, is going to, uh, has his uh, other taping duties with the first cut. Uh, we want to make sure we get to that in time, but Andres you're, you're, you're reacting to it. I love the auto tires, auto high tower. scene. first of all, I'll say this, I'll give him credit. Otto shows up himself, all right? And put his head head on the chopping block there. Your reaction to the scene and your thoughts and insights on it. The fact that everyone
0: is like, why didn't you burn King Aegon right then and there? Why didn't you kill (laughs) the head of the snake right then and there? It's Otto. This guy is the point guard of the greens. Like, this guy is controlling the offense. He's calling out the defensive calls. Like, he is the top doc. Like, as much as we want to say it's Allison. As much as we want to say it's Eamon, it's actually Otto, and it's definitely not Aegon. And and him being there, that's that's your opportunity to mm. be like, mm. I, I wouldn't be a kinslayer. This is Otto Hightower. I'm not killing my cousin or yeah. my niece or my nephew. I'm killing the point guard of the freaking Greens. <laughs> <The rings." guy, laughs> the quarterback,
1: the guy, the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, I'm I with you on it, too, though. I love how it played out, and I love, I love it. And I want to talk, uh, Alden, after we get your thoughts, uh, your opening thoughts on this. I, I love the presentation of the page uh, from Allison to Rhaenyra. I think it meant so much. That's part of what happened in the scene. We'll break it down. But, yeah, uh, the play, the, the tension of Rhaenyra showing up like a boss or like a Targaryen, uh, clearly Daenerys had some of that blood coursing through her veins uh, 200 years later or so. Uh, Alden, your thoughts on uh, Otto showing up at the doorstep?
2: There we go. There we go. Oh, All right. Boom. I don't know Boom. what happened. We're in sync now. It was probably <laughs> me. My apologies. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you gave him credit and, and he deserves credit in World Auto. Yeah. You knew this could have been the walk to your death and you still went. And in fact, the, the chances were very high that this would have been the walk to your death. And you can see beautifully. I mean, this is an acting show. This so so much subtle acting. The way that Reese plays Otto's realizations of, oh, they put a crown on her. Okay. All right. Like, because they don't know that that Eric stole it. You know, like, mm-hmm. they they are realizing things about the Blacks as much as the Blacks are realizing things yeah. about the Greens. Like, yeah. oh, they've made progress, too. It's been a busy couple of days. All right. Like, he's sort of putting it all together. Damon is chopping at the bit for bloodshed. It's a beautiful parallel back to the second episode of the show where he previously marched on the Dragonstone bridge to try to put Daemon in his place. Now the tables have sort of turned because last time Rhaenyra landed on Cyrax on that bridge to de-escalate. Yeah. This time, a Dracarys might be in the immediate future. <laughs> the, it It feels extremely tense, extremely well acted. The page coming back, something yeah. I never expected I to be a, a symbolic callback, a direct callback, but the page symbolizing a a simpler time. The page that was torn out when Ranira said what I interpret as the a romantic line, what I think even Sapochnik does, of I wish I could leave with you, and mm-hmm. and uh, e- e- eat only cake. And the mm-hmm. way that that came back, and the way that that compels Rhaenyra to at least give it time. Mm-hmm. Storm's End will solidify the decision against that consideration. But yeah, yeah, and also just in terms of you know badass writing, like it doesn't get much more hardcore than Damon in that scene with threats that are so hard that I can't even (laughs) repeat them on this channel that is monetized.
1: (laughs) Uh, My favorite one is The F Is This. I love that one. The F Is This. Um, uh, Andres, your thoughts on this page here? Uh, I loved it. I'll just say this. I I thought it, it just obviously... Uh, you know, represent a lot about their relationship, a lot of what could have been, but also this idea of binding the realm together. Even remember, Rhaenyra had pleaded with Alice to uh, made this deal a couple episodes prior of let's marry our kids together. We'll all be together. We'll we'll keep keep the peace there. Uh, now here we are on the cusp of war and I thought all of that was in that moment there, but your thoughts on the the page and uh, all the uh, cake eaten from the past. I
0: feel like it's a good show of Rhaenyra's restraint in her mercy her her love and that she's still capable of love and it's love for Allison mm-hmm. and her love and connection that she feels for her because if it was anyone else it's so easy to just quickly throw that aside as a ploy to pull at the heartstrings but for her it's like it works because she actually has a heart and she still feels for for Allison I'm sorry and and I feel like that is a perfect description of who Rhaenyra is yeah. someone who will wait and someone who will look at your better half, at least for now, at mm-hmm. least for now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that was uh love that moment. Of scene. And I love what it does. Cause Rhaenyra is, you know, let's she's, she's got the effing trader vibe too, ripping the hand pendant off and throwing it away. Mm. I thought it was a great moment. I loved everything about the sequence. And I love that. I, I can't wait to go back and watch. Was it episode two? Right. When auto shows, back up yeah. uh, uh shows up on dragon i love uh, i love it i love the bookends i love the echoes a lot of stuff at play here um andres we have you for a couple more minutes uh i it would be remiss if i didn't ask you just kind of quickly some overall thoughts uh on uh, again some overall thoughts of the episode but looking again to season two we are going to try to do some uh, live uh, recaps uh, we'll get andres on those as well but uh, your final thoughts on this episode and, and just the season overall
0: it might be my favorite episode. This this finale was, I, I thought it was absolutely great. I, I've had mixed feelings on the show as a whole, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I feel like certain stuff is just the most rush, rush stuff I've seen on TV. Like, my God, we sped through like 20 years over the span of like five episodes. And I felt like that was a little much. Yeah. But as a season finale, it just nailed it. It absolutely nailed it. I can't wait for season two. And, and I'm glad that, we have characters so many people talk about not having characters to root for but I feel like we do have characters to root for and this episode kind of solidified it and that's the perfect way to end it for me
1: Uh no great way Great. I'm with you too I think I, I overall just absolutely love the season A couple times the time crunch the time uh, jumps I don't know just not, I not have a problem with it but I was like uh, you know I bemoaned it a little bit but it all comes home uh, in the last couple episodes and I, I'm actually with you too I'll take a look. I'll watch them all again. This might be my favorite one so far. And I can't remember other than maybe season six where I said that about a finale. They're all good in the old show. We don't want to contrast and comp- compare mm-hmm. too much. But they were always the finale. We're looking ahead to next season. I love season one ends. I love Gior Momon. Are you going to ride out with me? Oh, great stuff. This one, oh, man, the, the call to war a great way to end it um andres we're gonna say goodbye to you tonight it's been always just a blast to have you around but it's been absolute uh, important to have you around for this discussion and this show uh more on the way tell them quickly though where they can find you because you got to go do some other wonderful work right now
0: yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at squad leader ace and you could follow us at first cut i'm going to put my house of the dragon reviews on first cut on youtube and first cut on tiktok
1: Check it out. All right. Uh, We are going to bid adieu to Andres Cabrera. You'll see him again here. Uh, If you're listening on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But if you are oh, watching live, we are going to be continuing here on YouTube. I said watching live. I'm so used to going live, uh, <laughs> Alden. We're not live yet. <laughs> Tape tonight. I don't like going live for full discussion. I don't like going live for recaps because I get distracted. I want to talk about things. And then on the on the full season recap, we'll go live and hang out with some friends.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that th- it requires so much unpacking that almost like the hangout setting it's like you get distracted and everything yeah, yeah. i'm I'm right there with you where i i, I like to you know I'm on, I'm on the east coast and everything we do these on west coast time so i have the whole season i've I, had like that i'm sorry a little bit of time now nah, don't do apply this to me they should be simulcasting this or building things around the east coast <laughs> I, I don't
1: care. I have or no just, you know, other countries as well. You know, let's <laughs> forget there's people watching this in the UK too. Uh, different, uh, there now, are other countries? There are other because, countries. Uh, yeah, no. This this, just this some, wow. Something that uh, we should learn, something we should be aware of. Um, yeah. A lot to talk about, a lot uh, we've covered with uh, Ace. We can go back to anything we want there. Um, where do you, where does your mind go next here? Uh, there's a lot at, uh, a lot of stake thematically. Uh, some jumping out to me, fear, leadership. Uh, who's trying to maintain peace, personal ambitions, heedless ambitions, as Corliss says. Mm-hmm. Then, I do you want to discuss at some point the little bit more of becoming Viserys, Renara's journey to this final episode? But where does your heart go next?
2: Yeah, the, 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 becoming Viserys is a great thing to explore, I think. I was in a similar headspace with you. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the visual parallels, of course, like there are, there are things that are just striking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, long haired, white wig. Yeah, with that crown, it is Jaehaerys's crown. It is the one that he wore, and and the image of Emma Darcy wearing it, like Rhaenyra in that scene, I was almost taken aback. Yeah, I was like, wow, like what that one piece of costuming does. It inspires in you the feeling that it's supposed to inspire. Yeah, like you almost, yeah, wow, I'll, I'll bend the knee right now. Is it? Yeah, it's it. It has a it has a glow to it and a warmth that I think smartly the Conqueror's crown does not. Yes. Conqueror's crown is blackened and it has yeah. it's the red jewel and this like yeah we we've, we've attached it to the man Viserys mm-hmm. of course but it also just like visually they're right and I think that in yeah. the in in the uh text I believe Aegon they both change the Targaryen sigil for the purposes of the war and they both go with their own crests and they say what Aegon's is here they don't show it that it's a three-headed green dragon I right, think is right, what they right. say. Yep. I think that's different from the book, where it was uh, it was maybe I think it's gold. Mm-hmm. Um, but but doing that to emphasize the way that these changes have happened and the way that everything is changing, the way the realm is changing. But what doesn't change is that she's wearing her dad. Yeah, and and that we didn't need a new one in the way that they had to go find something from the from the the vault well, to fit.
1: Yeah, what 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 it highlighted is and we did discuss it last week and I definitely saw it discussed online too. Of last week, uh the coronation in the dragon pit and and Rhaeny's, uh stuff aside, it was such the high towers present the Targaryens. It was yeah. just so yeah. not the real thing. Uh, even though there's real blood coursing through the veins, without a doubt, it just comes off as hollow and, and an attempt. It it comes off as, dare I say, certain rallies you might see pop up over the land and where uh, you, you're asked to look at certain uh, images and economic, uh, iconog- eh, iconography and sigils and say, yeah. uh, hey, hey, this is the real deal. And it's not. And then flash forward to this week in a much more uh, subdued, uh, painful, but humble ceremony. Uh, you have the real deal, and that and that really hit home for me. Uh, and and a show that is uh, obviously trying to not just play both sides, but give you the big picture, the and stuff included. I've been on board with that. I, I am probably on board with the and stuff uh, more than Andres. Um, but to to take that and go this this felt like we just kept, it felt like the real coronation, and I I guess yeah. I have cast my die. My knee is bent to uh, Rhaenyra and everyone on dragons.
2: Absolutely. And, and you said it there with, you know, this is, this is quieter, it's subtler, it's smaller, it's mm-hmm. more humble. And everyone that bent the knee chose to. Yeah, You know, like Rhaenys will come later in the episode. She was still skeptical and had to have the conversation. I love what Andres said mm-hmm. about how almost the, the marital role reversal there. Yeah. Where he is right when he finally gets to the point of maybe we'll just live quietly. She's like, anyway, no.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> no. you've been away for six years. Uh, yeah. So no,
2: th- things have changed, pal. But and so she doesn't bend the knee and, and that's, that's her. But everyone else that's there, mm-hmm. having Sir Eric with an E. Uh, say, re- renew his uh, King's guard mm-hmm. vow um yeah. while Damon you know you hand Damon an object you get a little scared sometimes uh, <laughs> including his, Uncle, yeah beat. include
1: a dragon with that too yeah
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was like oh all right okay um but the it was quiet it didn't require any of the pomp and circumstance and yeah. the fact that everyone chose to you can have you could have every commoner from the wall all the way down to Dorn yeah. forced to cheer it doesn't mean anything in comparison to just a few people that yeah. believe in something believe talk, in someone
1: talk about real man and this first season uh we'll see as the show uh kind of does a controlled spin out into a greater uh moments and sequences and set pieces and war wars to come ryan condall even commented on that in the same interview where, where he talked about the, don't worry we understand what you all want. want some humor which has been one of my complaints during the season um, again not that there wasn't funny moments but just a little bit more levity uh, warmth was part of the success of game of thrones so you're not necessarily trying to copy it different conversation when we recap the season but just uh, looking at this season alone you have allison you have raniera and we've talked along the way. The at the heart of the show, Damon, uh, absolutely this, this this important character. But this season has very much been: here's this world, here's the standards, here's the way of things, uh, and uh, here's even what your role is. You 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 marry, you give uh, birth. That's your battlefield. This is what it is. And Allison and Rhaenyra all along. It's how they react to this world, right? We've been seeing it play. Uh, Rhaenyra, just to tag on, even what you're saying here, and you use that word "real" again. I thought this episode just solidified again for that her path, the way she's dealt with it, is more true and more honest, and that's probably why uh, we're wooed by her and want to bend the knee as well. Absolutely,
2: and that's that's the brilliance of their contrast, as, as as a lot of people have pointed out. And I would I would defer to to of course feminist scholars on this and people that can speak about it in a more intelligent way than I can um, and really articulate it. But what Allison sees in Rhaenyra is an indictment of her entire life, because if Rhaenyra can live so freely and does, then that makes, from Allison's point of view, then my struggle means less, then mm-hmm. my existence means less. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many ways that that has been shown throughout. A great example that was that was pointed out in a, in a wonderful Twitter thread, and I wish I'd screenshotted it to, to credit this person. But like Rhaenyra stands and begins post-birth to lactate at the small council table. And Alicent is like, she guffaws at this and like, Vanyra, like mm. she's the lack of decency. Okay. And then of course, later on, where's subtlety, where's where sacrifice, where's duty. And all of that is is such a projection because as Rainey says, like you don't seek to be free. You seek to build a, a window in your prison. Vanyra mm. uh, has never abided by the prison rules. And, mm. And she should be celebrated for that, but mm-hmm. people are people project. Everyone in this show is projecting, uh, and Allison as much as Damon, um, two characters that cannot be more different, are both guilty of the same thing. And then yeah. uh, everyone's internalizing a different amount of pain. So for Rhaenyra here to to reckon with motherhood on so many different levels, and to, but to reckon with womanhood and to, but also to be affirmed. Mm-hmm. um for as many oath breakers as there are which is another thing we could talk about like the like what uh what boros baratheon says uh, yeah. the way he treats luceris um and the way that the realm has changed there are as many people that stuck to their guns mm-hmm. and that's affirming too
1: yeah no well said and yeah uh we'll bring in some folks on, on further episodes as we look back to uh discuss it with a little bit more um you know, uh, a little bit more of a uh, of, uh, connection and perspective and and um, authority on this conversation. But I, I felt I've said all along, I have a lot of understanding and empathy and compassion for Allison. I still do. Oh, yeah. I still do. I think the system broker, the system made her and she tried to survive the best way she can. And now she's maybe finally making some choices. But again, I always say kind of seems behind the eight ball a little bit on some of it. Uh, trying to yep. get out in front of things. But I feel I learned a lot more about Allison. I learned a lot about Renara, but I learned a lot more about Allison in this episode in which she never appeared uh, just by seeing the end of this particular arc of, of, of Renara's life as, as we build towards the next chapters, uh, where, again, she'll probably make some mistakes. She'll probably do some things we don't agree with. We'll probably see a lot of gray uh, areas flash up around Renara Targaryen. This I know. But for this season and where it ends up, I felt I learned, like, oh, Allison, that's what you kept doing wrong. And, yes, it was yeah. a prison. And you wanted to build a window.
2: Yeah. I mean, seeing Rhaenyra – Rhaenyra and Otto haven't had a a, a personal showdown this mm-hmm. season. This was as close as we got. Yeah. And Rhaenyra going and taking the hand pin and throwing it over the bridge and cursing him out as a traitor, it, it was – it highlighted, again, the differences between these young women around the same age, grew up together. Their dads were bros. Mm-hmm. They had a great thing going. And he was always able to use his daughter as a pawn. Yeah. And he probably thinks he can manipulate this one in the same way. And he can't. can't yeah. It showed the difference. He can't. He can't tap into it. And Rhaenyra has always been the thorn in his side and, and was, at a time, one of his game pieces yeah, she was only heir because of his push. Yeah. He created his own hell, he created his <laughs> own <laughs> enemy. Uh, just had tried to spite Damon, yeah, and but she's not one of his pieces anymore. Yeah. And that might work in House Hightower, it doesn't work here because, as we touched on, House Hightower and that branch of Targaryen they've become the parody of the house, yeah, and he's there on Dragonstone. With somebody wearing Jaehaerys's crown, it just lines up so thematically, and that's why she can do that with
1: impunity. Just with, throw
2: your pin, you're you're nothing
1: yeah, with impunity, like like your Tywin Lannister right there. Uh, I want to talk a little bit <laughs> with, impunity. with impunity. Impunity. Uh, I want to talk about uh, this idea, this theme of personal ambitions. Uh, Corlys Velaryon wakes up and calls it heedless ambitions when he learns. I I, I love. I love the reaction. Uh, small note, re- love reaction to Veyman's death from Corliss, where it's this mm. like painful sitting up, but also kind of this like, oh, of course, God bless it. Like, of course he'd do that. Yes, he was, yep. he was, uh, you know, burdened with that kind of trait, and I, I, I would be as well, says Corliss, uh, if I've not uh, learned the lessons. And let's uh, let's back off. And it, to me, with Renera, it isn't like Renera is going, oh no, 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 turn no, 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 you were right. Your your ambition was a good thing. It's like. Yeah, you know, you are putting that aside. You're uh, putting aside personal ambition because the realm is being held together by this girl that you say somewhat correctly that she destroys everything she touches. I understand Corliss's point of view on that, especially with what they believe happened with their son and, and her. So I, I love that moment with Renara going, no, 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 personal ambitions. It's about the realm. It's about something bigger and it's about something beyond us. And I thought that was a, a valuable lesson for, for men of this ilk because I love Lord Corliss Villard. I love him. He's great. I love his story. I hope we get to see more. Now there's some rumors that maybe that show's not developing anymore. We'll see. uh, We can always find a way to tell these stories. Uh, He's been one of my favorite favorite characters this season. And I thought this was a triumphant return with a valuable lesson.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the way that they are able to bring him literally to the table um, was impactful because it it finally, you could feel all the characters changing gears, right?
1: Yeah. You feel
2: feel this with, with Jason Luke. And how they go from sons to messengers, not warriors, mm-hmm. um, and how that changes. How Rainice goes from she's sort of playing Damon here. She's doing a lot of leaning. Eve best of <laughs> mess the leaners. Uh, she's looking over very a very a character of few words. How she goes from being the the critic to the supporter. How everybody sort of engages. Um, yeah, e- e- they even talk about the dragons. Like, our dragons haven't seen war. Like, everybody's changing into a new mode, and Corliss's new mode is no longer the man of pride and, like, the master of ships, but as Corliss the general, Corliss the confidant. Like, everybody has stepping into their new role, and he immediately owns his new role as sort of Corliss the general. I love that once he gets to the table, he does, like, a three-second analysis of, like, he takes a glance, yeah, you don't have enough to do this and mm-hmm. we probably do this, and you can tell that everybody has switched into game mode, and I think that getting him to that place because of what he always claimed, sort of using his feelings because that's what was his whole thing. We knew it was about his wife and therefore him,
1: yeah. that it was
2: about his pride. But yeah. what he'd always been saying was, you should have been, would have been best for the realm, you would have been the best queen. Now... The best queen is telling him, Yeah, I'll tell you who the best queen is.
1: Yeah. She's yeah.
2: right there. Now now it's put up or shut up.
1: Yeah, and look, and 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 this all this ambition uh does come with a, a reward, a spoil. He's taking the stepstones, he's uh blocking off the shipping lanes, and it all kind of uh uh works for me in the sense of he is coming back and it's no longer by himself. And again, understanding Corliss's journey, if you know a little bit of the history, he's a very self-made man uh and that Valoran family is uh they, they probably have a certain degree of power position and privilege but they weren't looked as uh as one of those uh you know uh, high families until he made them one so it all comes from a, a very realistic and understandable spot it isn't just a pride to be prideful uh it is uh it's real but i i love the change and i think you're right this was a big turn of the gears as a finale this is what you'd want a finale to do so i think it yeah. it, it, it did its point but it, it there's so much there's a lot of poignancy to the switches to the characters that switched in this episode
2: yeah definitely and in, in, in terms of sort of seeing like how far we've come um the way that you know the Corliss Damon relationship is still there. You know she she notes like Damon took his head, and he's just like, yeah, tracks. Like <laughs> it's all like it's all there. Steve Toussaint, incredible yeah. performer. Um, I was glad that he. You know people were missing him. I'm glad that he got to be here, and his arrival at the painted table is sort of the solidification of of the blacks. It was it was sort of like yeah. the full team roster at that moment. Yes, uh, yes. Even characters that. You know their role was changed. Like they gave the Stefan Darklin role to Sir Eric, but Stefan Darklin is still there. Yeah. Um, so it was like, here we are. This is the team. They 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 are coded good right now. Right they now. are coded underdogs is the other thing. And I think that yeah. on a you know we we'd love to talk themes and we love to talk ideas and we and we always will. Mm. But also just on that real world level, I think that these painted table scenes were the did you miss the game of thrones yeah. did you get hooked by the war of the five kings well we don't have five kings but we do have lots of talk of what houses we need we have talk of houses you know we whether it's aaron whether it's baratheon whether it's stark uh seeing storms, getting, end. Get, seeing storm's end, which i mean correct me if i'm wrong didn't one stannis baratheon hold storm's end for like a whole long time and yeah. didn't an onion night sneak in there yeah. now that I've seen it.
1: Yeah. I yeah. Wanna see it. Yeah. <laughs> no. And then, you know, his a-hole brother gave it to his other brother and there you uh, don't start me defending yeah. Stannis again. Uh, yeah. Welcome
2: to the Stannis off season. But yeah, I know <laughs> it, it just, it just
1: felt so, it felt so right hearing Cregan. It's
2: Cregan Stark.
1: Yeah. Not yeah.
2: Cregan as I'd been saying, knowing that he's out there and that he's coming. Um, and the way that it's, it was, it was almost like, we're showing you this map because the intimate King's Landing Driftmark drama is now over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. about to become a historical event. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: it, again, it's for the realm. Absolutely. It's going to spread on out. And, and the people of the realm are going to have a lot of thoughts about this. I I love the storms and stuff, as we said, up top with the sequence. But even on a smaller level, just yeah, seeing it, feeling it, and seeing a Baratheon. Uh, really capturing the Robert Baratheon vibe, they did that very well. Like, you can almost uh, hear the, you know, he can't read. Yeah, and he can't read. He can't uh, read. Yeah, you know, you know, Mark Addy should be uh, somewhere watching this and going, "Yep, I, I set a good, uh, a good, good template there." Um, it, but to see that there and just, you're right. It, it the the realm has an opinion on this, and, and we've been ten episodes of just this internal family strife. Yes, we know there's, uh, it has, uh, you know. Uh, affects the rest of the of the world. We know that, but to actually have like Boris breath and be like, Pfft, seems like the House of the Dragon doesn't know who's in charge. I love that kind of stuff because that is going to be mm-hmm. what's going to happen. This truly is going to spill out into the streets and spill out to the other keeps and castles and holdfasts. And I, I just absolutely love that. And I, I thought that was something that this episode was saying. And I thought it did a yeah. really great job.
2: And 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 it gives you. What they perceive as important, which I think is causes an intentional frustration in the viewer. Mm -hmm. A lot of the choices that are made, small as they may be, are there to show you that, yeah, you lived with the House of the Dragon for this entire season. And you have an idea, you're privy to knowledge, like Song of Ice and Fire. Mm -hmm. You understand the inner workings, you understand the legacy. But to someone like Boros, it's literally just about who's going to marry one of my kids. Yeah, and that causes frustration because we're like it's so much bigger than that but is it to (laughs) them is it that kind of mentality will endure all the way down to your walder phrase and people like that where that is extremely of the most of the utmost importance and is worth killing over like it's all there and it was you know for for, for luke obviously the end of his story but for someone like jace or even for bela and reyna who are there who when grandpa shows up they go and they take the place by their betrothed yeah like yeah. That, that six years has changed things man they're not just your granddaughters to have as wards or cupbearers like they're coming into their own and there was an air of even though it was Renera's episode of a of a coming of age that we talked yeah. about with everybody coming into their roles um I don't know if we're going to stick with this Jace actor for a while. I hope we do. Cause he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this war goes on a while and he can grow into that role yeah. or whatever. Maybe he grows a beard. Who knows? But uh, it had that feeling when they swore in yeah. front of their mom that it was on that yeah. the kid, kid shows over
1: <laughs> kid. Yes. This laughable, uh, affable, <laughs> happy, scrappy kids, uh, kids year that we've had. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, right? It's been great. It's been great. Lo- bunch of, bunch of fun flowers and fireworks this season. No, it's like uh,
2: Viserys, Viserys, and Lord Strong when he's like, "Isn't this great, Lionel?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. boys picking each other wrong, well, knocking it, each other it, down. It's
1: funny though you say that. Uh, even um, I haven't done the full rewatch yet, right? Uh, which I will always go back and do of uh, this. Uh, you know this the season. Uh, i like to let it sit for a little bit, then I'll take that dive back in. But what you're describing, it does seem like the heady days where we just fought in in, uh, the courtyards and we had, uh, you know, big old uh, ceremonies and and festivals and feasts and hunts and uh, we killed pigs. Like, it just seems so simple where we are at the end of this episode, which shows me that this was a great finale for that, for setting up the table for next year.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I talked about it a little bit. Um, on the live shows and a couple of our previous discussions, this was Phantom Menace. It's like, it, it didn't pop off, but we, the conflict itself, but we needed it. Um, yeah. There is, I think, somewhere out there in the multiverse, uh, a lesser version of this show, lesser for me, that starts with, oh, we had this King Viserys and he dies anyway, Dance of the Dragons. And this took, mm-hmm. this took its time and it earned everything. And, and I think that at the end of the day, it's it's does it does bigness through smallness. Mm-hmm. the uh, the dragons and everything like the dragons were given more agency here, yeah, yeah, to the chagrin of many and it, yeah. it was brutal. um they're not just as as Nikki called them when uh, friend nikki Kumar when I was texting him. He's like, people will now understand they're not just bikes. Yeah. they're not just bicycles <laughs> that breathe that breathe fire. um but the fire bikes, but it's still about people, yeah, it's still just about people
1: about people and their fire bikes indeed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, even I've said it, like that some of the time jumps, I don't know. I, I even know how to describe how I feel about it. It's not a super negative feeling. I actually like a lot of decisions. Some did happen so fast that I think a lot of it is that I just wanted to stick around with some of those versions of the characters. And I do feel mm, they move yeah. fast at times but i think when it's all said and done and this story is laid down on the tracks for three four or five seasons however this dance is gonna go and i know Condal's already out there talking about making this kind of an anthology series which i'm for because it's just more time in this world um i think when it's all laid down on the track i think you're right this is a this season will be a a long prologue that i think i'll appreciate even more love the season so far we'll have a recap thoughts later on the feed and the channel um but I think I'll love it even more because of what you described. It wasn't like this, that, and now we dance. We took our time, even though it was fast, we did take our time. And now the dance is here and it feels a little more earned for me.
2: Yeah. And the, and the moments that are going to sing more, we talk about, you know, Rhaenyra and like Allison under the tree with that page. <laughs> Damon, I mean, I mean, the thing, yeah, the things in, in retrospect of, of Damon, I think the full picture of him, like, Mm-hmm. Again, we, you know, what's what needs to be shown, what should be shown. Um, this show, I think it, this show took great steps forward in terms of its uh, its gender politics and its representations of certain things, still a long way to go. Um, having women in the writers' room, having women in the executive producing team definitely helped. You can feel it. Uh, there is nary a full frontal scene uh in a Game of Thrones thing, which if you had said that 10 years ago, people would have been like, You sure it's Game of Thrones? um and you know there were less depictions of assaults and less depictions of a lot of things but still um but going back and seeing the full picture of his character it's like when we met him he was castrating and beheading people on hearsay just like oh he committed a crime slice Mm -hmm. um and seeing the full picture of allison seeing the full picture of otto Mm
1: -hmm.
2: some seeing his full plans come to fruition what will we find revisiting some of those early moves And, uh, yeah, it's going to be extremely interesting. I can't wait to go back into the pilot and see Emma again for the half of the pilot that she's in seeing how her words were like prophetic for so much of what was going to happen.
1: Yeah. There's a a lot there. And yeah, I I don't mean to make light of any of the discussions out in the world. Every week is a, you know, new hot topic, hot take of the week on what these shows, not just game of Thrones, but house of the dragon, but what all the shows do or do wrong. And a lot of, I don't want to, there's a lot of great discussions to have every week. And it is important to listen. I just think uh, this show just was pretty honest of what it was trying to do. Even if it took mm-hmm. big swings, what it was trying to communicate, what the themes were. Um, and and I I, I want to give it credit for that. Maybe not. I'm not certainly the, the judge and, and jury on that there. We'll, we'll have that discussion ongoing. But I, I think you're right. I, I felt the difference. I felt the difference. And I felt this season had a lot of purpose to it and again my contention is uh, uh, my only pushback to some of this discussion is um you might not be the audience, you might be a fan of house of dragon but this some of the messages might not be for you it's for people that need to hear it and the demons of the world are the ones that need to hear it i hope it hits i hope they start to look at it a little different as opposed to just pulling sword and being a badass um i thought this season really succeeded in that as well so we'll see but the discussion will go on i'm sure
2: yeah absolutely and and in that it's like let us not forget like this season and we'll do of course season wrap-ups we're not going to do another hour now on the seasons although we could um but the no i ran
1: out of water so that's the last sip we're definitely
2: not nope. P- P's coming up soon <laughs> P- uh, we're gonna put countdown now yeah. uh but yeah i mean you look back and there was still it still was thrilling it still was sexy it still was cool it still was a lot of this stuff and it was uh um, it, it painted a complex picture Intentionally and there were Like for as, as much as you cheered for a character You were also frustrated with them as much as you were Proud of a character you were also frustrated with them I mean uh, we Sometimes both mm-hmm. felt a mixture Of pride you know when Allison showed Up in the green dress at the wedding it was like yeah. You finally taken control of your yeah. life But yeah. for You're what right. purpose I was like for what It
1: was kind of my big rooting for her moment and I was like yeah oh, yeah. Well, yeah, A
2: lot of that's yeah. going on and there that- and then the, the tone that it's set and yeah. how uh, Rhaenyra, it's like, look back at a moment like, no, I will choose my Kingsguard. I choose Sir Kristen Cole. Yeah. And it's yeah. like uh, how things backfire and how things have ripple effects. And mm. th- what this finale did was manage to take everything from the pilot on forward and really solidify it together. Um, mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. was, it, it made the argument of, we didn't just do things like put Aegon's dream in there to to one story. This like it was, Um, it is there. Especially if you already watched Game of Thrones, but it matters now. Even you know the Night King's not coming for another 180 years, roughly. It matters now, still. Yeah, it matters. And I thought the, that was all great. Matters
1: for the realm, matters for leadership. It does matter. I think to just simply say they put that in there to connect it to the show, which is not what you said, but maybe some of the discourse around that. I just think that's cynical, and I just don't. I think that's engaging with it on the surface, and that's not what we're about here. I think it' a great thematic reason to be there, uh, a great thematic purpose, and I I enjoy it. I I enjoy. I I get downright giddy as a schoolboy when uh, they uh, mention it, and not just because it connects, but just because of the weight it carries. Uh, And the time we have left here, any final big thoughts? Anything we're leaving on the table, or we can uh, start to wrap it up and uh, look towards the future.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I have a lot of big thoughts. I mean, when I'm, I'm you know, we're going to watch this, obviously, tens, 20, 30 more times, I'm, I'm sure over the next couple of years. Um, I, I, as I'm running through it in my mind, I think we hit everything yeah. that was major. Of course, you know, we, we, there's some smaller things that we touched on. The, the, Vermith, the Vermithor scene of, of uh, Damon trying to court this dragon to their side. We don't even really get the result we don't right, know right. what's going on there it's just to re, it's just to sort of put it out there to the viewer that he's trying right and to emphasize uh again like no matter what he says about dreams histories, importance and all that he does care he knows the song yeah. um and and little small moments like jace being really hard on luke in their training yeah. you get the idea that jace um he doesn't get a lot here cuz this is the send off for luke but his moments of being really hard on Luke in the training of Rhaenyra saying, remember, whatever I have left, you're the heir to it, whatever it is, whatever claim remains, um, him stepping up in that way for Rhaenyra saying, you know, Craig and Stark is closer to your age than mine. You can bond as men and really maybe come to an accord on that it was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, Nikki and I were joking, like, I need a whole like Jason Craig and Bond as Men episode now. It's like,
1: <laughs> Welcome to the North.
2: Here you fizz. It's gone. Like, <laughs> I cannot wait to see some yeah. Northmen again. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is uh, Ramin Jawadi. Like, come on. Yeah. Just phenomenal. The 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 chorus and the vocals that yeah. have been there throughout Ranira's big moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't attempt to sing it here, but you know what I'm talking about. It's there when she gets the crown. What a, what a motif. Just like, yeah. what a theme. Uh, oh
1: yeah. Oh, look, yeah. I'm going to second you on that real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to sing it either. Cause you and I are both broadcasters, not singers, <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've had the honor of uh, and privilege of seeing Ramajwadi in concert doing the Game of Thrones music twice now, Hollywood bowl and the forum, two great uh, concerts. And I, I, that particular tune there, uh, the, the, the Renera gets a crown tune. I don't think that's the title of it. Um, it's going to play so well in a large crowd i hope he does it again i hope he takes this music out on the out on the road maybe combined with some of the old music too it was uh, some of his best work this year
2: yeah yeah and and you know we'll do we'll do a lot of talk about season 2 and everything but i said i think i said it when we had rachel on and i'll say it again i'm going to cry when we get to Winterfell and I hear the star theme again, <laughs> I will weep. Uh so it, awesome. it was great. It was extremely impactful. And there's so many unsung heroes that we don't talk about that yeah. I don't even know all their names. And I feel bad for not knowing all their names because the costuming, gorgeous. Seeing yeah. Rhaenys' red armor in oh, better I lighting. In I love her. Armor. Yeah. Amazing. Seeing the boys <laughs> with their half red, half black tunics yeah. and just everything the cinematography i mean this is this is a gold standard and i encourage everybody if you're on hbo max which i'm assuming you are uh, because you kind of have to be to watch it um well, i guess you could watch on hbo proper uh, yeah. technically yeah. um but yeah the house that dragons built 20 plus minutes for each episode incredible behind the scenes stuff mm. um definitely fortunate to have this team and i hope that a lot of these directors carry over we're losing miguel we just send off for miguel yeah um at least for now i'll be shocked if he never directs again
1: yeah Um, i can see that yeah
2: but as a showrunner uh, i just want to say i know you watch miguel Sapochnik. thanks so much uh, for everything (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah you're couldn't have done it without you i think that a lot of these directors especially utainis um sort of went to the Sapochnik school of how to do this yeah so
1: I agree with that. Well said, Echo, your thoughts there. It's been a fun season. We're not done talking about it. Gas, Casterly Talk's been going strong since uh, 2017 or so when it was Daily Thrones. We're still going to go on. Still going to look into this show. We're going to pick back up with the Game of Thrones rewatch. We are right at the episode that uh, causes Undress some uh, some issues there, the the uh, passing of uh, over Martel. We're going to pick that right where we left off. We're going to finish that Game of Thrones rewatch on this channel. I swear it. Uh, and we're gonna continue to talk more about Rings of Power, do some more recaps. You, me, Rachel, Nikki. We'll we'll gear up again and we have a lot to discuss. We we didn't we, we did two hours, fifteen minutes, and we didn't get through half of the things I think we wanted to discuss. Looking back on season one, we're going to do that here. Thank you all who have been watching uh, the podcast side. We continue to go strong as a podcast. And thank you to all of those who joined us on the YouTube side, which was new for us this year. We got the uh, channel partnered, which was our goal coming out of this season. Now on to bigger and better things. Well, things all the way through the off season as we uh, have a long off season to wait, get the rewatch going, more discussions on themes, moments, characters. It's all here. You can follow us on Twitter at Casually Talk or uh, Facebook Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're a podcast listener. If you're a YouTube listener, uh, head over to the podcast every now and then. Take us with you on the road. You can follow me at Ken or Go to KenNapsok.com for more information and other things I do, including stand-up comedy. I'll be in Seattle. Uh, end of this week with Mark Ellis. Go to KenNapsok.com for more information. Alden, you always got some cool things you're cooking up here. What do you got going on?
2: Yeah, you can follow me personally at Twitter, Instagram, at that Alden Diaz T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z, AXA Radio, a Star Wars podcast, where I do all my Star Wars interviews, lots of one-on-ones, lots of stuff coming up with higher public authors, some Lucasfilm people that are going to be coming on the show, some fun stuff lined up there. It's also Andor discussion time. Uh, So Andor discussions happen weekly with different guests trying to highlight people um, that we haven't had on before, but there's also a lot of returning guests, of course, because there's a lot of Andor and there's still a lot to go on Andor. Yes. Uh, and that's exciting. I'm going to need it to help me get over the fact that I don't have my other fantasy shows right now. Uh, and then, uh, I'll also, uh, here Casterly talk doing, uh, lots of stuff that I'm excited about. We got an off season to fill. We've been talking about some ideas, which is going to be really exciting. Um, writing around the internet and I'll tell you where, just, uh, give me a follow
1: that's and we'll right. talk. That's right, and Alden is still trying to convince me. He's about 95% convinced me that we're going to cover Willow around here, at least do some coverage on the channel. So if you're in agreement with that, let us know. If you want to talk about Willow here, we're just going to be discussing some fantasy over here on Casterly Talk. All right, that is it, my friends. We'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk.